friends and welcome to another edition of Dan and Benny in the Ring. I'm Dan Spashano, joined as always by the BS Express himself, Benny Scala. Benny, how you doing, buddy? Doing a lot better today than I was doing yesterday. I, I actually went and spent uh, four days with my beautiful family in Robbinsdale, Minnesota, celebrating my grandson Elijah's third birthday on Sunday. <laughs> Unfortunately, yesterday I had a little uh, hydration issue at the uh, airport bar, the Stone Arch Grill, but much, much better today. Thank you. See, that's what happens when you watch too much TV. Benny, you watched that episode of The Plane Ride from Hell and you got inspired. That's not a good thing. I didn't try to open the door like Mad Dog Vashon did. So. Well, <laughs> you know, we always uh, we always like to have uh, the great, the best conversations here and uh, the best guests. And we have a heck of a story going on this week, Benny. Uh, joining us, he is an amazing talent. He's got some great stories to tell. The fans out there will most most know him as Oscar from his time in the WWF as the rapper-slash-manager of Tag Team Men on a Mission. We are joined by the legendary Greg Gerard. Greg, thank you so much for being here. Yeah, man, thanks a lot for having me, y'all. The, the plane ride from hell. <laughs> okay, yeah, I got you. <laughs> Greg, I'm gonna I'm gonna fire. This is Benny. I'm gonna fire off the first question here. So we have something in common. I believe you are from Brooklyn, correct? Yes, I am. All right. Fort, I was, Green, I, I, Fort Green, the Fort Green section of Brooklyn. Okay, I was East New York, born in Bushwick Hospital, which was condemned. I think it was just a coincidence uh, after I was born. I'm not really sure. Uh, but so, Annette, you're a little bit younger than I am. I'm 66. I think I got you by about 10 years. But I know that you. Um, you grew up kind of watching the same type of wrestling I did. So I guess, and we ask this to everybody, but I always, there's every answer is different and every answer seems to be great. So what, when did the wrestling bug bite you? How old were you? Was it somebody, was it an older sibling that liked wrestling or a parent, grandparent? Um, and then who are your favorites? And I thought I saw in, in the great story that Javier wrote with you that you had been to Sunnyside, Sunnyside Gardens as a kid. Uh, well, um, to answer your first question, I was about nine, maybe ten years old, and anytime uh, anything interesting came on TV, my stepfather would call uh, my brother and I out of our room playing. That's how we got to know Avid and Costello and stuff like that. Well, one late night, midnight, he called us in. And he was watching wrestling on WOR TV in New York, Channel 9. And we were like, what is this? And it was wrestling. It was Bruno San Martino, uh, Haystacks Calhoun, uh, the Grand Wizard was one of the great managers, Classy Freddie Blassie, uh, Ivan Koloff. I mean, you know, some of the greats. And that's when I, I started watching it and got hooked on it. There wasn't a midnight that went by on a Saturday night that my brother and I that we that we wasn't glued to the TV watching it. Vince McMahon um, was a commentator at the time. Anthony Naraka uh, was his partner and in, in, in commentary, and Vince McMahon Senior owned the company. 
And now nah, I wasn't Sunnyside Garden was my first match. It was Madison Square Garden oh, was the right. first time where I saw Bob Backler up, up front and my one of my favorites of all time, Neil Mascaris. I saw him up front, and I mean, I just had the time of my life when it came down to wrestling, and that's how I got introduced. And what you know, the, the the wrestling bug. Once you get stung, that stinger stays in you the rest of your life. The rest of your life. I mean, you become a fan, and you watch the progression of the sport. You watch the changes. You watch it grow. But uh, what I don't know whether I mentioned this to Javier in the interview. I used to travel down south, down here to the Georgia area where I live now, every year to be with my cousins. And wrestling basically had uh, WWF, in my opinion, beat during that time because we got it every Saturday night at midnight. But on Saturdays down in Georgia, it stayed on all day. They had Florida Championship Wrestling, Georgia Championship Wrestling, Mid-South Championship Wrestling. And they had some of the greatest talents in wrestling. I mean... Uh, I, I'll put it this way. Well, no, nah, I can't even say that. I was gonna say New York had the better promo cutters, and and, and down south had the better wrestlers. But no, them in ring workers down south were great, but they were great at cutting promos too. I was just thought about it. Were you crazy? Harley Race, Rick Flair, uh, Dusty Rhodes was my favorite favorite of all time. So yeah, down south had New York beat at that time. That that is like wrestling heaven, you know. I mean, to get all. I mean, one of my favorites when uh, I guess around uh, maybe seventy five, seventy six, might have been a little bit after that. But uh, we, you know, I grew up on Long Island. We got, you know, we started getting cable, and then uh, all of a sudden now I got Championship Wrestling from Florida with Gordon Soley, and then you had yeah. you, had, you had, uh Kevin Sullivan, you had Bob Roop. Uh, you had yes, Dory and and I mean Gordon Soley to me. I, I we had his daughter on once um, uh, in a previous podcast, and I said your dad was so good. There used to be something uh, in New York called the Yule Log. I don't know if you remember that on Christmas Eve on Channel Eleven. Yeah, I used to I used to watch it. I there mean, I used to enjoy watching it. I told you, I, I told logged and stayed on all night long <laughs> playing Christmas Carol. And I told his daughter, uh, Pam Allen, I said, your dad was such a good commentator, he could have commentated on the Yule Log, and it's uh, he would have made, made it interesting. Uh, he was, in my opinion, the greatest wrestling commentator of all time. Loved Gordon Soley. He just, like, he would report, like, I know in the beginning of some of the shows, they'd, they'd have, like, a championship match where a title changed hands. Like, if it was the Florida Heavyweight Championship or even the NWA and you'd, he'd, he'd be commentating on this thing, and he made it sound like it was the seventh game of the World Series. And I was, yeah. I, mean, I hung on that guy's every word. So I'm, I'm with you on that. I mean, he had, he, first off, that voice that he had was so unique. And then number two, he was just so wrestling knowledgeable. I mean, he would say things that they wouldn't say in other places. I mean, he would just use terms. Like, you know, uh, grabbing a solo plexus. And, you know, other people didn't say stuff. A lot of people didn't say stuff like that. I never heard the term gut wrench salto. 
until Gordon Sully right. said it. So, yeah, I'm, I'm yeah, I do remember that. The, the gut wrench salto. Yeah, you just fucked the memory. But let me ask you a question, though. So, like, and I think you're going to, I know, I think I'm, I'm going to know the answer that you're going to tell me. You know, when I was a kid, so, yeah, first we had, you know, I had wrestling, all-star and championship wrestling. And then we got, we got championship wrestling from Florida. And then Georgia championship wrestling. Then world class. Uh, we never got Mid-South in New York, I don't think. But, you know, then later on the AWA. And to me, it was the more the better. Like, you, I couldn't get enough wrestling. I don't care if it was, like, seven different territories. And I never felt like right. I had to choose. I mean, they were all great. They were all different. But... You know, nowadays, it, it seems like you have to like WWE or AEW. You have to make a choice. And I guess we're lucky. We didn't have to make that choice. We could love all the wrestling. I mean, it's, they, 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 they act like it's set up like that, but you don't have to choose. I mean, they, they won't come on TV. I mean, there's no nobody with a gun in your head saying you gotta watch this or you gotta watch that or threatening you. Wrestling is wrestling. To me, I say enjoy both. But what they do is um, it's made out to be a competition because that makes it more interesting. That makes it more inviting. That makes it more, you know. Uh-huh. You know, uh, that, that, you know, I mean, if, they, if everybody's in league with one another, then, you know, where's the fun in that? That's why you had the WCW, WWE wars. I mean, that's why they both came, but they didn't have to both come on Monday night back then. WWE could have came on Monday. WCW could have came on Saturday or Tuesday or anything else. But that spirit of competition draws fans in. It draws fans in from the left, fans in from the right. You choose and then, you know, let's have a war, let's make it competitive. That's more money. So that's that's it's a psychological game they play. It, it's always a good thing when people are talking about wrestling. That's that's my theory. Yeah, it is because I mean, you know, people people talk about it People talk about wrestling as intense as they talk about football, as intense as they talk about basketball or any other sport or boxing or or anything else. You know, knowing the game, know, knowing the ins and outs and the facts of the game of wrestling, but it's still good to talk about. Absolutely. You, you know, going off of uh, what you said with, with in just enjoying everything, and I've mentioned it on the show before. Benny and I have talked about it. I grew up in in Maryland, and we had both the the area I lived right outside of Annapolis got both the DC and Baltimore channels. So I had WWF on one channel and NWA on the other. So I was able to get the best of both. I'm curious uh, when you and we're going to get back to the to the story of how you got involved. But when you were say, you know, going down to the ring, WrestleMania 10, or, you know, out there performing, you were in the midst of the early days of the WWF's competition. Did you ever feel like we have to beat these guys? Or was it just, were you just still in the early days of, of let's have fun and, and you really didn't see outside the, the WWF bubble? You know, that's a really good question because I never thought about it, but the, the truth of the matter is, 
I don't pay it no mind. I just didn't. I, I I just I just didn't think about it. Um, I was aware of WCW, of course. I mean, I knew they were out there. I knew what was going on. But it became. I'll tell you when it became real for me, and that, and that's why this is a good question. It became real for me in Liberty, New York, one night, one day, when I came to work. And there were faces where, like, there was a funeral that that, that happened. And I'm like, what the hell is wrong with everybody? And that was the day that Macho Man Randy Savage defected to WCW. When When that happened and the effect that it had on everybody, Vince especially, that's when the competition and the the uh, the fact that there was a competition became real for me, and then that's when I started paying attention. That oh my god, this is really a competition, and we are in a freaking war now. You know, speaking of Randy Savage, uh, I wanted to get, circle back to that. You, you mentioned it in the in the interview um, you did for Pro Wrestling Stories with with Javier, uh, and it's such a, a fun story. How you first got involved with the WWF? It involves a a um, freestyle and a chance meeting with Randy Savage. Uh, why don't you tell everybody that story? Because it's just an incredible one. Um, I was, so I started working with a lot of um, Hollywood names. I was rapping for because I was placed in a, in a position to be where they were. And I started working with, you know, a lot of people in, 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 the, in the entertainment business. And my favorite comedian was Andrew Dice Clay. Oh, he was the funniest, and the he was the funniest and the coolest thing I saw on TV since the Farms from Happy Days. That's how I revered Andrew Dice Clay. So anyway, one night I'm at the comedy store, and I'm like, "Oh shoot!" There go Andrew Dice Clay sitting there with one of his boys. Um, eating a pizza. So I went up to him and I said, I got a singing telegram for you. He said, look, man, I'm out here trying to relax. When I'm trying to relax, I don't want to be entertained. <laughs> so I was persistent. He let me do the rap. I did the rap freestyle. He knew it was a freestyle and he was enamored. He was like, how the F do you do that? <laughs> So what wound up happening was I saw him again. We had the same hairdresser, um, Giuseppe Franco. And when I was at Giuseppe Franco, he was there. And then he told me he wanted me to come to the last factory where he was doing like eight shows. So he was at the last factory and I would go, he would bring me on stage with him. And I would close the show down doing a rap of everything he said. So he brought me out to Vegas where he was doing a show at Bally's. So I went out to Las Vegas to be with him while, you know, while he was at Bally's. 
I was gambling at Caesar's Palace, playing crap, having a good time. I mean, I was winning money, which is, you know, a skip and miss rarity. A skip and miss rarity when you play. And then all of a sudden, there was a commotion in the lobby, a big commotion. So I look up to see what it was, and I see this guy all colorful like a peacock. And I'm like, damn, that's Macho Man Randy Savage. I left my chips in awe and went up to him and said, I got a singing telegram. And he was real nice. He was like, he, he was he was real nice about it. But it was Vince that was right there. And I didn't even know Vince was with him until I looked to my right. He was like, go ahead. And then I did this rap. And they knew that it was right off the bat because I put Vince's name in it. I put Wall's name in it, and Mr. Perfect was also there, and they knew that there was no way I could know that they was all there. And Vince told me, he said, that is amazing. I want you to call me at my office on Monday in Stanford, Connecticut. So I called. The secretary was, like, excited that I was calling. She was like, oh, my God, Vince has been expecting your call. He's going to call you back in a few minutes. Stay by the phone. So Vince called me back. We had a discussion and a rest was history from there. Wow. <laughs> That's cool. So, I mean, what was, what did Vince initially propose to you? Because I guess one of the questions was, how, how did you meet uh, Nelson Frazier and, and, and uh, Robert Horn? Um, did you know that you were going to be paired with them right off the bat? Uh, no. Um, the conversation, Vince knew right away he wanted to bring me in. He knew right away that I was going to shake things up. He knew right away a rap component in the WWF was going to be something different and something, you know, something great. He knew right away. But he also knew I wasn't a worker. I mean, I, I wasn't trained. So, I'm not, so, I mean, I'm manager. I mean, he, he said that. And our first conversation, I, I, I see you be coming in as a manager, but what I have to do is, you know, find the right talent for you to manage. Um, he said to let him get WrestleMania 9 behind him because WrestleMania 9 was coming up. And, I was, and, I, I, and I, I was like, oh, by the way, you know, can I get a couple of tickets? He was like, absolutely, of course you can. So he got me these amazing tickets. If you look at WrestleMania 9, you look at the whole thing, you're going to see my seats are like in like the front row next to Luke Evandros. <laughs> and, wow. and, you know, with a, with a, a red carpet and the free hot dogs and, 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 and snacks. And everything at the confession stand was free uh, uh, at Caesars Palace and, and the VIP if you ever uh, are fortunate to go. So, um, yeah, I went, to the, I went to the match. A month later, he called and told me to uh, come to Stanford, Connecticut. And I went. They put me up in this beautiful hotel in Connecticut, the Sheridan. Got a good night's sleep. The next day, a car comes and picks me up. And in the front seat is Nelson Frazier. And in the back seat is Bobby Horn Moe. So I get in the car with them. We make small talk. Because they were nervous to be around me. I was nervous to be around them. Now, when we got out the car, I saw the most amazing thing I ever saw. In the car, you couldn't tell it. 
left to get out the car, and I could not believe the size this money. <laughs> I'm like, you have got to be kidding me. I mean, I looked, I said, I got to go to Menards and get a stepladder just to talk to this bastard. <laughs> he was huge. I mean, huge. Oh, my God. So we went in. We had a meeting with Vince. They had it all laid out. You guys are going to be men on a mission. Mo, your name's going to be Mo. Uh, Greg, your name's going to be Oscar. And Nelson, we're going to call you. And Vince was nervous before he said it. He saw, I saw him stoke the contract. We're going to call you Mabel. And then Nelson looked at him like he was crazy. He was like, Mabel? He was like, yeah, Mabel, because if anybody tease you about, you know, nobody's going to want to, they're going to want to tease you about that, but they're not going to tease you. Trust me, it's going to work out. And fellas, that's how Men on a Mission was born. <laughs> that's incredible. So let me ask you something. Between that, um, the story where you, you met them and, and here's the pitch, here's the names, What was there was there any kind of a feeling out period or were you guys thrown right into the fire of being on TV. Cause I remember the promos and, and when made promos, not the right word, the, um, the vignettes, vignettes yeah, yeah. introducing men on a mission. Mm -hmm. And it really seemed like you guys came out of nowhere. Yeah. I mean, um, yeah, we shot those vignettes, um, in the studios in Stanford and, um, yeah, I mean, uh, a filling out period is, is the least of it. Uh, uh, we uh, we didn't like each other at first. I mean, they was together. They were like brothers. They had lived together for 10 or so years. They had knew each other's habits. They had little conflict. And they were like from the South. And, you know, and, and they could stay at Motel 6 comfortably and eat at truck stops and diners comfortably. I'm from Brooklyn, the hood, right? But I had gotten acclimated to a Hollywood lifestyle by the time I, I, I got to Connecticut. I was staying at the Beverly Hilton, you know, chilling with Merv Griffin, you know, eating at five-star uh, uh, five restaurants. And stay in a five-star hotels, and so you could imagine the fights in the car. I'm not staying there. I'm not eating there. What y'all think y'all this is doing? You know, <laughs> let me introduce y'all to a higher level of doing things. They didn't want to do that. You know, I mean, huh? They go to Motel Six. I walk to a Marriott if I had to. <laughs> I mean, it was it was it was really it was really a mess. I mean, we clicked together. Now I will tell you this: the first time that I saw them work in the ring, those first off, Mabel being able to do the things that he did in the ring, I was amazed. The double moves that they did, to be the size that they are, I was amazed. And right away, I knew in Mo and Mabel, I had something. I'm like. I have got something. I mean, I saw the dollar signs in my eyes. Cha-ching, I've been the <laughs> I mean, forget anything going on in Hollywood. 
this wrestling thing was the best decision I ever made with these two big black bastards up to make a fortune. You know, it's really funny, Greg. You mentioned the term manager. Now, to me, like, you know, I grew up with the Grand Wizard, Freddie Blassie, Lou Albano, mm-hmm. you know, a Ms., uh, Bobby the Brain, Mr. Fuji. I think that's something that is sorely missing uh, in today's product. Would you agree with that? I just, they added oh, so much, the manager added, added so much to the to the picture there. It is because everybody who you put in the ring might can wrestle, they might have, but everybody cannot talk. That was the reason for the manager in the first place. These guys had the chops to be in the ring, but if you couldn't cut a promo, that's what your manager that's what the manager was hired for. And when you mentioned Lou Albano and Classic, these guys were pros at at at, at talking, at delivering a message at getting the crowd going. And you are sorely right. People can do things in the ring, but everybody cannot talk when it comes in the ring. I don't care whether you male or female. Everybody can't do it. So they need to get back to the the practice of hiring people that can get on the mic and really, really, really bring the point across. And yes, you're right. They're missing that. You know, it, it, let me ask you something then as as kind of the uh, uh, the mouthpiece of sorts, it's the, the examples Benny just went through when you hear when people talk about the Grand Wizard and Freddie Blassie and and Bobby Heenan and, and maybe more modern with like your, your Polly Dangerously and Jim Cornette and some of these characters. It's always the heels. The, the, the big monster heel or the, the sneaky heel who has the mouthpiece you don't really see very many unless it's a, it's a, a kind of a, a Miss Elizabeth type, like a female compatriot. You don't really see a, a manager mouthpiece for the face. Did you have to go into being the, the, the character of, of the, you know, the, the, the heart and soul of this, this team of good guys? Did you have to go into that with a different mentality or did you not, did you, did you not see it any differently than what some of the other managers on the roster were doing? Well, nah, because see, uh, the difference between myself and those other managers was that, you know, my job wasn't so much to to deliver a message as it was to get out and entertain the crowd. That was my that that was that was, that was my thing. My job was to be the rapper, the entertainer, to get the crowd excited and get the crowd going. You know, I cut promos, and when I cut promos, I did them pretty good. But I didn't have to do that as much. So my thing wasn't to try to go in and be a Paul Bearer or be a classic Freddie Lassie. My job was to go in and get the crowd super hyped and excited, and then they would be ready for anything Noah Mabel brought after that. And then whenever we left the ring, you know, to do the same thing. Well, you know, speaking of of what you were just saying, as far as the the bringing bringing the energy, uh, there they, we've said it before, Benny. Uh, we've had so many people 
through the through the months and, and times we've been doing this say that the best characters are you the real you turned up to 11 and you talk about doing the freestyle for macho man and and the oscar character was was you basically there was really no blurring the line there how much input did you have in what we saw on tv versus the the more scripted cookie cutter per, uh, characters we see today oh this let me have free reign with everything i did I mean, he would come to me and say, um, you know, make sure you mention Houston when you're, you're in Houston. And, uh, oh, he's the one that told me to use whoop, there it is. Now, he, um, he, he gave me that. But, no, for the most part, nobody said nothing to me. They gave me the mic. They knew I knew what to do. The raps that I did, I, 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 I invented them on the fly on my own. Uh, the uh, rap. But all the raps that I did uh, 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 pre every pay per view, the Royal Rumble, the Lex Express, um, um, the uh, one I did with Macho Man, the Lex you know, Express, you know, and all of those I, I wrote on my own, and and uh, yeah, I pretty much I pretty much had I pretty much had free reign on on, on what it was that I did. I must have been doing something right. Because very rarely did anybody ever complain. Uh, speaking, of, we talk about heels, and this is this was always my perception as a fan. Um, now I, I know that you know I'm doing some research. I know that uh, Men on a Mission were previously uh, uh, Harlem Knights. They were a heel tag team, and yeah, it always seemed to me that you know um, Mo, you know Bobby Horn, and obviously you were very positive. You know, cl- uh, clapping hands. You know, shaking hands with the fans before and after the match. I never saw Mabel. I never saw um, Nelson do that, and he just seemed to act very heelish, even when he was a face. So, it, was that just my imagination, or was was he kind of purposely doing that because he knew that inevitably, inevitably, he was going to become a monster heel again? Well, there's two answers to that. Number one. I mean, his job was always, even though we were a heel team, his job was always to be the big intimidating factor. I mean, that was that that was what he was supposed to do. And Mo and I was supposed to be, you know, it was supposed to be exactly, you know, the way you just uh, brought us out to be. Now, the other answer to that was when they were the Harlem Knights, and they had all these personas at, as heels. They didn't like being baby faces at all. They felt like they were experts at being heels. They felt like they could better serve the wrestling world as being heels because they felt like they were so good at it. So they was biding their time. They couldn't wait for the day to uh, when they turned heels. And, and and be the bad guys because, as I said, they didn't like being baby faces. They thought they would be better heels, and that's what they wanted to be. And eventually, they got their wish. Well, let me ask you something. You talked about uh, Vince giving you free reign for your raps and your characters. There was a, a quite a change in the years that in the men in a mission between their debut and your heel turn, there was quite a upheaval in the roster. You talked about the, the macho man and, and joining WCW and some of the other names that jumped ship. And you had some changes some some new faces coming up through the company, both literally and figurative faces. 
was there a push backstage or was this were, were those guys pushing to be heel when, when it happened? Because as a fan, it really felt like it kind of came out of nowhere and that, that men on a mission had a lot more legs to to be faces for a longer run. Was that was that the writing saying, "Look, we need some heels. Well, you guys are it," or was that them that saying, is, "Hey, that is a very good question, and I'm gonna give you a very good answer." The day we had a meeting, and Vince told us that Men on a Mission was gonna turn heel, and they turned heel. In my humble opinion. That was one of the biggest mistakes for our career, first and foremost. But if I look at the history of wrestling, that was one of the biggest mistakes ever made. Not that it should not have happened, but it happened too soon, too fast, at the wrong time, where men on a mission was better served the way it was, because they did not get everything that they could have gotten out of being baby faces like tag titles, better storylines, and everything else. While they had the fans, they had, we had the fans by, 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 by the grip of their neck. We had them. We were over with the fans, but we didn't get everything that we should have gotten out of that situation before the turn came. And I didn't turn heel, and I know that's going to be your next question. I didn't turn heel because in my career, for my life, there was no amount of money or no situation that was going to make me publicly be a negative influence. I had too many years of talking to kids about drugs and talking to kids about bullying and this, that, and the other to let myself be used that way in such a public form. I was not going to give that. That that, That's like me saying I was not going to sell my soul for money, or I was not getting ready to sell my soul for you know under 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 any other circumstances. Vince asked me to. I mean, he asked me if I wanted to do it, and the answer was pretty much no. Well, let me ask you something. We we had a uh, a show. One of our more favorite episodes through the year uh, through the through the time we've been doing this. Where we we had a kind of a what if discussion, and it, it happened to be you know a what if on Billy Graham, whether or not he should have dropped the title at the time, and and a lot of that comes. I want to do a quick fantasy booking, which the term seems to bounce around the internet today. If if your char- the Oscar character had stayed face, was there anybody on the roster you could have seen you transitioning over to instead of fading away as Men in a Mission turned heel? Well, for a one-off, because of the one-off, and I say that I say that very carefully, for a one-off because of how it happened, I would have liked to put on a cowboy hat and did a WrestleMania match with uh, being with the smoking guns because of how it happened uh, under the circumstances. But uh, the answer is, uh, you know, on a permanent level, even today, no, I can't think. Of, I, I can't think of nobody else. I mean, I, I I don't know. I might could have, I might could have wrapped and got them excited with just about anybody, but I I, I just couldn't. I, I I just couldn't see it nowhere else. I mean, that's just my the answer. I mean, like I said, there might be a thousand people who I could have worked with, but not 
not not that roster. Not not okay. That's what I'll say. Not that roster, right? 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 Dude. Now, going going back along the same lines here, you know, Dan was mentioning about Billy Graham. I think one of the biggest mistakes ever, and we talked about this. You know, we had, we had a, a, a one show was just a debate about this. Should Billy Graham, because he was so over, and I'm not sure if we if you were watching at that time yet or not, but he was way over with the crowd, and we we debated that. You know, I strongly think that they should have turned him babyface. And giving him a longer run with the title as a babyface, and just you know, the, there's, there was a natural feud with Ivan Koloff. Uh, you know, the, Ivan could have turned on Billy. That could have drew money for for months and months. And so, in, in that case, you know, they they didn't pull a trigger that they should have. And I think with you guys, they, they did pull a trigger that they shouldn't have because there, to me, there was so much left. You guys, you had a two day reign as, as tag team champions. That could have easily have been six months. Without batting an eyelash, and you guys were so over that I think that would have been money. Oh my God, you are mentioning the two things. Uh, you know, there's a lot of things like any other fan, but you are mentioning the two things that tap a nerve. Number one with Billy Graham. I was so pissed off when I woke up the next morning and he had beat Bruno San Martino for the title in Baltimore, Maryland. Oh God, I was just. So, 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 so pissed at that. I couldn't believe it had happened. Now, you want to fast forward. It was the greatest feeling in, in, in London winning those belts. I mean, you know, they did all the work, obviously, but I was part of the team. And I remember being so excited. I jumped in the ring and I got hit in the head by the belt. And I was bleeding from the forehead like I had been in a match, but I didn't even care. But, no, to answer your question, oh, my God, I couldn't understand that. I couldn't understand it. I didn't get it. I was so hurt by it. I wanted to cry. A weekend with the titles? Who the hell hell does that? Where the hell did that come from? Yeah, why did we not have the belt? For six months to a year, I don't care what nobody's saying. People will, will, will criticize this statement. Other wrestlers won't like it. But we was like the best thing in, 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 on, the, in the ticket at the time, on the roster. And I say that with my chest stuck out. We're all ego. It is what it is. And while we did not have the belt longer, you know, to make a lot of money, number one, that's the number one, but number two, it, it, it made sense. But to, uh, uh, to tell y'all this, and I can't go into why because it's, 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 it's a personal thing. There was a reason that that happened, and I really got to leave it at that. It's funny how 25 years later we could still talk about it. I mean, you're still so passionate about it a quarter of a century God, later. Yeah, man, no, no, that, that hurt. That, that was when it's brought up. You know, it's not like I walk around thinking about it every day, but when it's brought up, I can remember how hurt I was, how mad I was, how pissed I was. <laughs> and there were so many good heel tag teams that you, know, that, that you guys could have feuded with. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You had the head shrinkers and you had the Quebecers we could have kept going with. You know, we could have had rematches with the Quebecers from the here to Doomsday. And right. then the head shrinkers, we could have had a run with them. 
And since Shawn Michaels and Diesel, we could have had a run with them with the I mean, there's so many things we could have did, but uh, hindsight is twenty twenty. What well, we would do? Not to not to mention, you can have, especially with you, with the, the, your characters being the positive force of the roster, is you could you can have a face versus face match that's over with the crowds. You can't really right, do yeah. heel versus heel matches. When they turned you guys heels, they gutted a lot of the teams that you could have worked with. Well, um, I mean, hindsight is twenty twenty, but let me show you something. They turned heel, but you think about it, you think about it for a second, when I even look at this tape, how long did that last? Yeah, uh, what is it you say, Benny? You refilled a cup of coffee and it was over. Yeah, it was. It was. I mean, all the steam went out the minute, the minute they turned heel. In my opinion, anyway, even as a fan, I just lost the interest. I mean, there was really, there was really nothing for you know. They turned them heel, or right, you got be careful what you wish for. You turned heel. But now what? Where are you going now? What is there to do now? I mean, there wasn't too many babyface tag teams really for you to feel with. And, and, and now, now all of a sudden, Moe's on the sideline, Mabel king of the ring, Mabel got a singles career, and, 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 and but you wanted to be healed. So, I, you know, I, I, I don't know, you know, there's, there's, nothing, I, there's nothing I can say, you know. <laughs> uh, well, let me let me ask you something. I, I, this has come up a lot with the comparisons through the years. You talk about the the positive influence, and that's exactly what you guys were was the the positive, the, the positivity, you know, the power of positivity and all that. I'm wondering, and, and I don't mean the a direct comparison based on on appearance and based on like you know the the color the color scheme with the with the f- colorful tights and the fact that you know it, uh, that kind of thing. But but do you guys feel a connection or an influence in any way with what you did versus what would become the new day in modern times? You know, I actually talked to the new day about it and the new day actually, you know, at new day actually acknowledged it to me personally and thanked me for it. But, uh, whether it was intentional or whether it was somebody's, uh, whether it was somebody's, you know, when they were designing a new day, they just had these men on a mission in the back of their head and didn't realize it. But yeah, the new day is a modern day men on a mission. Whether or not, uh, whether or not they could, um, whether we, you know, <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. The new day is definitely a, uh, a a a offshoot of men on a mission. So uh, when you were in the WWF. Um, I believe that two of the the best ribs were a big thing back in the day, and you know, two of the best ribbers I think in the history of wrestling, from what I've heard, were Mister Fuji and Owen Hart. They were like the king of the ribs. Did did you ever were you ever a victim of one of their ribs? Me, a yes. victim of ribs. Well, I mean, as far as uh, Owen and Mister, now I do oh, understand. Oh, I, I, oh, oh, no, no. There's an answer to that, and I, I'm, I'm going to answer you. When it comes down to ribs, I am probably the all-time champion in the history of wrestling of getting ribs. <laughs> By either of those two two gentlemen? 
Oh, not that Joe Biden. It's my son of everybody. Okay. You you answered that pretty quick. Is there a is it kind of is there is there a good story to go with that, or is it just like this? If you have read the stories, there's no need to repeat them because you know I'm still in therapy about some of that shit. <laughs> no, I only asked the question because that was the that was the, 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 the uh, taking me to a urinal in the bathroom. Rick Steiner uh, um, spitting tobacco too in my brand new cat, waking up because Owen Hart then drenched me with shaving cream in Europe. I mean, I can go on for days. And a lot of it was, a lot of it that happened was because they saw me as a weak link and the ribs were really designed because people wanted me People wanted me to uh, to cut and run and leave because of the success men on the mission was having. They knew I wasn't one of the boys uh, uh, with no training, so they thought I was a weak leg. They thought if they ripped me long enough that I was going to cut and run, but how hard they didn't. And so it took a long time, over a year, but I finally got some semblance of respect. The ribs wound up <laughs> stopping. But uh, but but yeah, they were crew with it. But I wasn't the only one. Lex Luger had an Armani suit. He came back, the, came from the back, and his Armani suit was taped to the wall. Alundra Blaze, Alundra Blaze, they stole the belt from her and replaced her belt with human feces. I mean, these guys were relentless. I, I heard that they were good ribbers. Like Owen Hart was a, like a. I mean, his ribs are good, but they were fairly harmless. Where, like, somebody like the Steiners, it wasn't really a good one. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, the Steiners were evil. Owen Hart, like you said, Owen Hart was lighthearted. The Steiners were purely evil. And then, and and Mr. Fuji, he, you, man. Mr. Fuji's ribs were whether or not he was pissed off at you. If he wasn't, they were lighthearted. If not, he was shaving an eyebrow. He was, you know, whatever he whatever he could think of. I heard Fuji didn't have much of a filter. If he wanted to do something, he was going to do it. If he, I guess, if he was mad at you. Oh, yeah. Oh no, he was. He was going to. You know, he definitely was going to do it. No doubt. No. No. No doubt about it, and no remorse. <laughs> well, let let me ask you something. You you talked about. The uh, the you said it took about a year. I get um, the the growing. You guys traveled all the time. Was there? And and, and I'm kind of circle back to the to the original story you told us about meeting in the car, and then you mentioned them working together. Was there growing pains outside of of you not wanting to live off off uh, fast um, gas station food? Or was there, you know, going from what you did to to traveling the road schedule? Was there was there kind of a a change of pace there, or is that something that you found yourself quickly adapting to? No, nah, I never adapted to it. Um, after a while, and after people really started making money, and, and, and they they kind of their 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 level of doing things rose up pretty pretty quick. But, you know, there was uh, another period where we had another falling out. And I don't remember what it was over with. 
and I would ride with other people. I rode with Ludwig Borger for about two months <laughs> before I would ride with them. But yeah, for me, it was Greyhound buses to get to towns and Amtrak and all of those kind of, and I would just meet them, you know, at the venue. We'd act like we were a cohesive team. Then after that, we went our separate ways. I mean, that happened on, on, on more than one occasion. But nah, I mean, you know, even even um, the boys would talk to them and be like, "Y'all stayed at Motel Six, man. Y'all WWF superstars. Raise your game." So, you know, everybody started staying in better hotels, and um, and and you know, and plus, you know, they learned real fast that there were hotels that basically everybody would stay in. And, you know, they was, there wasn't Motel 6s and Red Roofs. You know, I mean, the Holiday Inns and Sheridans and Marriott's, but we had a specific rate that was that was reasonable. And, you know, people ate where they could eat. I mean, you know, that, that, that didn't change that much. But, I mean, you know, yeah, but things that answer your question, you know, things did change as time goes on, which time does to anybody anyway. Well, if you don't mind me asking, you mentioned drifting apart. Uh, do you do you keep in touch with any of the guys from from that time period, especially uh, say like like Mr. Horn, for example, um, or or have you just kind of gone to do do your own thing, and that's just a, a past chapter of your life? Well, I mean, every now and then, it's funny you should ask that now, and I'm going to tell you every now and then. You know, not even about once or twice a year. You know, I would attend a convention, or I'll get with Horn and do an autograph signing. But uh, lately, what wound up happening is I got with a company, a political company called the Staunch Moderates, and I'm explaining why I mentioned that. Uh, after all these years, after all these years. Uh, performing in the WWE and performing around the world and doing this and doing that. You know, I never did what I set out to do when I became a rapper, and that was drop an album. That thing always eluded me and escaped me. But not anymore. Uh, about last week, I had an album that dropped called The First Realm under my rap name, Casanova Ace. Nice. And um, I nice. went out to Vegas to go to CAC but it turned out my record label was coming out there at the same time. And they have kept me that I couldn't even go to CAC because I was doing a video shoot that lasted all week long. They had me doing this. They had me on a tight leash, a tight schedule. So to answer your question, um, to answer your question, it's like these days, no, I really can't right now because this album situation takes up all of my time. And when I say all of it, I do mean all of it. But I do enjoy going to uh, WrestleCon and WrestleFest and all of a sudden seeing the old guys. You know, I've been doing that for years. So it's not like I've stayed out of touch. You know, I, I pretty much, you know, I pretty much keep my ear to the ground with people. Greg, do you, do you watch the current product? And I guess you know we've already talked about the managers and the, the lack of the managers. And uh, you know we, we've also talked. You know 
back then your character was everything. And I think, you know, nowadays when you when you watch WWE, there's so much less of an emphasis on character and so much more of an emphasis on the moves. And, you know, it, when when we went to the garden to see Bruno, you know, I never thought, well, you know, I man, I hope uh, Bruno gets George Steele in the backbreaker. All I cared about was, you know, if, if Bruno beat the crap out of George Steele because I love Bruno. I didn't care what movie he used, you know. And I just think right. that, I think those are the two big things that are missing. Um, so, uh, what's your opinion? Well, my I, I do watch the current product because I have a podcast on my own that I do every Monday, and you know we talk about you know the product from the previous week or or or, or whatever. So I do keep up, but no, you you you're right. The um, the entrances are missing, and the promo cutting is, uh, oh, 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 my God. So as you have talent, the soul of the wrestling is, 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 is lacking. See, back in the 70s, when I first started watching, you know, whether it be Florida wrestling or, or, or WWF in New York, it had soul to it. And a big difference. Because I asked T.J. Strongbow this very question that I can answer. I was like, what's the biggest difference between wrestling back in your day and wrestling now? And he was like, back then, people believed. And that made all the... He almost had tears in his eyes when he said it because that made, that made it all the more different, all the more sweeter. He was like, now it's like a freaking cartoon. And I just had to laugh when he said it. But, but, he, but he, he, he was so right. So to answer your question, yeah, the soul of wrestling, the heart of it is not... It's like, it's like anything else. I was in Vegas last week. And let me tell you the difference. When I was younger and went to Vegas, Vegas was different. The gambling was different. The food was cheap because they didn't rely on the food and they didn't rely on the hotel rooms for revenue. They relied on the gambling. So you can go there and you can, if you didn't gamble, you can go to Vegas or for a, a kick-ass vacation for $200. You can stay at a five-star hotel. You can eat a buffet for, for $7.95 and you can this. But now when you go, it's all corporate. The food is sky high. It's like going on a vacation in Seattle or New York. The food is sky high. The hotel rooms are, 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 are not cheap or anything else. They took the heart and soul out of Las Vegas and made it almost a robot. You know, it made it uh, it's all corporate. And that's what wrestling is today. That's what I don't like about it. And I wish it would at least take five steps back to getting the soul back to getting the managers back, to getting back to where the entrances are pretty much what people come to see. Because, see, back in the 90s, people were because the reason why the Undertaker was so great, it wasn't what he did in the ring. It wasn't, it, it, it wasn't none of that. You got, you got chills up and down your spine, which I still do today, when you hear that boom and the lights go out. Because that's what he created. But that was his, that, that was his bread and butter. That's what it was when the you know when the Rock came out, or when Stone Cold came out, or when I came out, or anything like that. 
the entrance had the people on their feet. And that's what's missing, and that's what it needs to get back to, in my opinion. And my opinion is humble. Absolutely. Can't can't think of a better closing thought than that. And if there's any any comparison to to the the character and the story, it's just watch, and I mentioned it at the beginning of the show, but watch the men on a mission's entrance from WrestleMania 10 versus the generic uh, if, if you use the default creator wrestler entrances from the video games today, they're just as bland, but you guys brought a heart and soul that you really don't see much today. And it's just, a, it's a shame, but that is a great closing thought. Um, Greg, I appreciate all your time. You've <clears throat> been great and generous to us with that and some incredible stories. Um, I just want everybody to, to check out, like you said, you, you have the, uh, uh, your, Rap name is Casanova Ace, and uh, you worked with DJ Staunch, the Staunch Moderates. The album is called The First Realm. Check out the Staunch Moderates on YouTube and anywhere uh, the, the music. Just, just check them out online, Staunch Moderates, DJ Staunch, uh, and rapper Casanova Ace. I do have to know, though, final question, where did the name Casanova Ace come from? You know what? It was my rap name before. I was Casanova Ace. Right before I was Oscar, it was my rap name that I carried. Uh, it was very synonymous to everything I did in Hollywood and all the rap stages that I was on. And it was Vince that took Casanova Ace and turned it into Oscar. And, you know, that was my persona for a long time. When I answer the phone now, I'm so confused. I don't know whether or not it's a family member. So this is Greg. I don't know whether somebody looking for Casanova Ace. I don't know whether somebody looking for Oscar. I don't know whether it's a bill collector looking for Clevy Gerard, my <laughs> my real name. So yeah, you, you can imagine I'm like I, I I'm like a, I'm, I'm like I'm schizophrenic without the real stigma that go to it. Oh no, it's like that like that movie Split. You just don't know who's answering the phone today. Yeah, I just don't I, I just don't know who I am right now. It, it is, it's, 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 it's so sad. Yeah, exactly. Yo, if you if you give me a check. Then I'm gonna direct you who the chat go to. If you're looking for money, ain't none of them here. <laughs> You're all done. I'll have to remember that trick next time my phone rings. Uh, well, I mean, look, you, you've been talking to us for an hour, and we've talked to Casanova Ace and Oscar, so you bounced to twice yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, I had to go get Casanova, and believe me, I didn't have to look far. I've been him for the last few months. It was tiring. Well, like I said. uh, uh, I appreciate all your time and uh, thank you so much. We'll, we'll definitely try and have you back on the show. I'm sure there's a lot more stories to tell, but uh, f again, everyone check it out. Casanova Ace. The album is called the first realm. Uh, Greg Gerard again. Thank you so much for your time. You have yourself a great evening. Glad you guys. Thanks for having me. I had a ball. Total pleasure, my friend. All again, right. Thank you, sir. Have a good night. Another fine story, Benny, another, uh, interview in the bag i'll tell you what that's crazy how you, you peel the curtain back just a little bit and you see i mean literally he uh, a guy in a, in a in a casino throws himself at the macho man and the next week he has a contract and becomes one of the one of the biggest names uh, of the year as far as as men on a mission were in the early nineties, 93, 94, 95, the, the biggest, some of the biggest talent, biggest over talent that WWF had. 
And when you think about how hard, like back in the day, it was to break into professional wrestling and how that happened, it was just a great story. Oh, absolutely. And the fact that, I mean, it shows too, you know, unfortunately, how things change because here's Vince McMahon at a casino. Some guy walks up, starts rapping to the macho man. I want to hire this guy right now. And you hear stories, it seems like every week of of Vince McMahon today, just kind of closing himself off to some of the open-minded decisions that really helped the company. And you can see with the ratings and numbers how that's how that's worked. But um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see. And then, of course, uh, you know, we have um, some some of uh, good news coming up as far as wrestling goes. I know this this coming weekend you have the Extreme Rules pay per view. With as of we're recording this on a Tuesday, zero Extreme Rules matches announced for the pay per view, so that should be fun. And then uh, anybody who has access to cable television, free television, TNT. Uh, AEW has two huge shows this week, bringing some some major matches. Uh, Dan, uh, Brian Danielson and Kenny Omega. Uh, you have uh, Sting and Darby Allen wrestling again. Moxley, uh, just all these huge names wrestling big marquee matches. Adam Cole and some of their new talent, Ruby Soho, who's number one contender, uh, and and her match with Britt Baker. You have a lot of if you're a fan of wrestling. We've got the pay-per-views coming up. You've got AEW pulling out all the stops on their free television. Uh, you've got Fight Fight TV continuing to to grow and air some quality products from our friends at the NWA. And, of course, our friends at Devotion uh, Championship Wrestling are also on Fight TV. If you are a wrestling fan, now is the time to be one because there's there is just a plethora in every direction you look of all different styles and colors and and flavors of wrestling for lack of a better term and there's nothing wrong with being a wrestling fan you don't have to be a wwe fan you don't have to be an aew fan there's nothing wrong with it. i think it's great to be a wrestling fan your 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 options are, are you know they're getting bigger and bigger well exactly and uh oscar mentioned you know uh greg mentioned in the interview where he he was just a fan of everything you know but during the monday night wars it, you had to flip back and forth now with streaming and catching things on hulu and dvr it is a lot easier to watch multiple channels than it used to be so yeah it's you, you want to be a wrestling fan be a wrestling fan i i know i steal the quote from time to time uh the the wrestling with regret uh channel on youtube hosted by brian zane uh he their their tagline is like what you like but don't be a dick and i think that's the best way to do it that says it all yeah so uh and again great show for the bs express himself benny scala i'm dan spash channel have a good night everyone and as always happy wrestling good night folks stay safe